You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 17. The monopoly of trying to find bikini photos of the women that won't sleep with you. That's it. I don't think there's any ad dollars in that. I don't think that made a big benefit to society. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Hi, everyone. Good to have you today. Good week. Good week. I'm really looking forward to today. I'm really looking forward to hearing your feedback and reactions to today's interview. Localmaxradio at gmail.com, by the way. Uh, Regardless of what that feedback might be, because up to this point, I've been speaking exclusively with engineers and Silicon Valley type entrepreneurs. And I'm going to continue to do that. But remember, the show is called The Local Maximum. That means sometimes we have to switch it up in order to have an opportunity to get better. And I think I got that today, an opportunity, I mean. Uh, So today I'm speaking to comedian Rob Bernstein. He produces podcasts at Gas Digital Networks, which is a podcasting studio located here in New York City, over in the East Village, where I used to live. Um, There he serves as co-host to Dave Smith's Part of the Problem podcast, and he has a really funny podcast of his own called Run Your Mouth, I found it recently, and now I just can't wait for the next episode. So it's called Run Your Mouth Again. It's on iTunes and SoundCloud and all of those places. So I'm sure wherever you get the local maximum, uh, you can get Run Your Mouth podcast as well. Now, I wanted to find out a few things today from Mr. Bernstein. First, this is my first interview of a fellow podcaster. Uh, I've been on other podcasts, and I plan to uh, reciprocate to those podcast hopes, but uh, that hasn't happened yet. So I think it was an opportunity today uh, to talk about podcasting and comedy in general and to find out from uh, someone with a little more experience of how it all works. I mean, as you know, this isn't a comedy podcast per se, but as I said, I used to do a little bit of comedy in college, and it's really important to me to keep things interesting and engaging when I'm talking about ideas and concepts. And yeah, got to get those laughs. So today we're talk about podcasting. We talk about comedy. Also, Rob has covered some of the same issues on his show as I have. So we talked about Facebook. People love those that stuff, by the way. We talked about the perils and opportunities in big data and in targeted advertising. I had to talk about Foursquare and Marsbot again. Let me back up a little here because it's one thing to be... Uh, being asked off the cuff to explain some of this stuff. It's another thing to craft the perfect monologue answer. I mean, I've done the latter, but if you'll notice, for example, in episode seven, I can ask Dennis stuff and he'll give me a pretty good answer right off the cuff. Uh, That's what a pro does. So if I want to get good at this talk radio podcast stuff, uh, I need to get good at answering questions off the cuff. So we'll see how well I did with the what is Foursquare question and the what is Marsbot question and the what is your position on Facebook question, which is something that I explained in a monologue in episode nine on fixing Facebook, but wow, that's hard to explain off the cuff. You know, even if you think my answer that I gave is okay, I was really kind of sweating there. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what that comes, comes out like, you know, it reminds me of when I did my radio show Max and the Wiz back in the two thousands in college, I would listen to the show later and I'd be like, I said, what, you know, how dumb is that? Uh, you know, and too bad it was live. People heard it, so I, I could even edit it. So if you want me to expand on anything that I said today off the cuff, something that you either want to know more about or disagree with or see a problem with, 
you know, email me again, localmaxradio at gmail.com, and I'll give you a more detailed monologue or discussion in a later episode. All right, one more thing before we get started. Uh, this single episode will be marked as explicit. Just so you know, it is really not that bad. Just a few F-bombs for emphasis, not a whole lot. Nothing different than the way that, uh, you know, we talk at the office sometimes, engineering and sales, but I just... I want to get. I want these episodes to be more authentic, so I don't want to place, you know, restrictions on my guests. And but the internets say that this kind of thing needs to be tagged as explicit, even though there's a difference between really ex- between like just you know what we have here and and like really explicit. But that's the world we live in, so take from it what you will. Okay, uh, now let's go back in time to my interview with comedian and podcaster. Rob Bernstein. Rob, welcome to the Local Maximum. Thanks, buddy. Rob Bernstein, Robbie the Fire. Where did Robbie Fire come from? Luis J. Gomez, entrepreneur, right. owner of Gas Digital Network, podcast personality, and uh, he's a marketing guru who self-named me that on his podcast, and I just went with it. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, so welcome. If you want to yeah. uh, get yourself introduced to a real scumbag of a human being, <laughs> go look up Luis J. Gomez, support his causes because he has a kid, so give him your money. Um, real ass podcast. There you go, Lewis. You got a plug. All right, great. You got a plug to my. Um, I I, I joke about how small my listener base is, but it's growing now. I used to say like tens of listeners. Now I can say like hundreds, maybe. And if you do know Lewis, please don't tell him I called him a scumbag because he he's actually the nicest person I know. So tell him I said that also. Okay, okay? thank you. This is a public. Uh, <laughs> this is a public podcast. So welcome to the Foursquare Office. Uh, it's good to have you. Thank you. Thanks a lot for coming in. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime I can get into a corporate place like this and steal some stuff, I don't turn down the opportunity. All right. We'll be watching you, but there's a lot of stuff that you could just take. So. Oh, really? Uh, What's up for grabs? I'm a hoardery kind of guy. I'll take it. I think there are pens and there might be t-shirts and I, there's definitely cookies and stuff. So, I'm going to take uh, all of those things. Those are like my three favorite free things. There's notebooks and stickers as well. You understand? I don't have office supplies in my new office. That's perfect. That's yeah. literally everything I need to get started. Yeah. yeah. Well, some pens. You don't understand. Other offices don't just give you pens and paper. Yeah. You would think it's like a standard thing that you need, but. You don't have that at the at Gas Digital? Well, we just, we actually, we just got into a, like a brand new office space, which yeah. is really exciting. Us too. Um, yeah, it's not quite like this, but it's nice, you know. Um, and uh, no, I currently don't have pens. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of important. I mean, you can go all paperless. I've been trying to go paperless for years. It's just never. It doesn't work. It's not my. It's not my thing. It's not my. Well, it's kind I, of I fun. Can't, I can't be like living in the future and that. It's like paper is just here to stay. Just deal with it. I had to tell myself recently, like you know, stop making paperless happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, sometimes you need a pen and paper for stuff. Yeah. But I can say the, the lack of supplies can be helpful, like on a sales call, when you're like, listen, I'd love to give you those figures, but you know, I don't have pen, paper, running water here. So there's only so much I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you even know, I, I invited you in to be on the podcast. I'm very, because uh, we're going to have a little fun today. I've never had a professional podcaster. We did have actually a Foursquare podcast that we used to do here a couple of years ago. What happened to it? I mean, it was just a lot of work for us. We had a podcast. Can I just say, I love when those fail. Yeah. Because, no, because I sell advertising on podcasts and all these corporate companies that were spending all this money on podcasts, like, hey, we can just make like our own branded show. And then they go out and do it and they're like, no, we suck at this. Yeah. (laughs) You got to specialize in life. Give us your advertising dollars, Foursquare. The show was was fun, but yeah, just it took a lot of time. 
Um, and I think we tried like five episodes or so. What was it about? Life at Foursquare? No, no. It was more like, I think it was an interview driven show. So they had to bring people in. The one that I was on, they brought in like CEOs of other companies and talked to them. And I played a little game show with them. It was kind of weird. Uh, but uh, but it's erased from the internet. I'm very sad about that. They just wiped it clean. Yeah. It was that I, bad, huh? I work, I mean, I was. it's my first podcast appearance in my life. And it's gone, erased to history. We got to revive this game show. Yeah. Well, the game show was... So one of the things we do at Force... Do you even know what we do here? Do you come in? I would love to know. I want to know where the money in this racket is, and I oh want in. Uh, well, I thought you guys are websites, right? Am I way off on that? That You might be thinking of Squarespace. Yeah, yeah. I knew there was a square in something I was thinking so about. You guys I have like this a... running joke on my podcast that <laughs> Squarespace no one, yeah. is an unofficial sponsor because I mentioned Squarespace about one out of every because everyone other... thinks you're them no 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 i like um i asked i asked i think uh sarah a couple weeks ago wh where she got her website done she said squarespace i think i mentioned it a few weeks before that and it's just like they've become my unofficial sponsor so thanks hey, squarespace for... start spending some money over here come on i know they're getting it for free it's uh they're, they're freeloaders and they don't even know it so educate me what do you guys do over here at foursquare so we have a couple of consumer apps you might have heard of there's Foursquare, the city guide, you download it. It is a recommendation engine for all the places in the world. You can leave little tips, reviews. It's personalized. You can see what your friends have liked, what your friends have tipped on, that sort of thing. And uh, every venue gets a rating from one to 10, so you can tell how good it is. I'm the guy who wrote the algorithm that uh, created the rating. If you want to hear more about that, go check out episode three of The Local Maximum. Or and if you want to just get really angry and get right to the source of why you're getting bad recommendations, you can show up to the Foursquare office. I, right. I'll get you in. I know the location. <laughs> and you can go right to the source. You don't have to just post comments about how the ratings were wrong. You can just talk to me. You can just talk to me about it. So I got a question. Does it like make, uh, you're the AI guy, right? Uh, yeah, one of. Okay, so like recommendations, does it go like, will it go, hey, you've gone to this place, now you're in this area, they got a similar place, you like that one, hey, you should like, is that built into yeah. it at all? Yeah, 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 we worked years on this. Basically, my goal from when I joined here in 2011 was to build the best local recommender system in the world. And, we, uh, you know, we worked on it. I think we achieved it, but now, of course, the company's changed over to more enterprise software, so... Got to do ads, got to do things like that. It's still working. It's, some of it's really interesting. Um, and some of it's, you know, I get to use my AI and machine learning skills, but it's less exciting than having an app in someone's head. To me, I prefer to have a, like people actually using my thing and getting excited about it. Right. I would love to see the inner workings of what my digital footprint is because yeah. like the actual like computer That's thing scary. on me would go, hey, you're a reckless alcoholic that passed out in this dive bar. You might also like passing out in this dive bar. You know, it would be like that kind yeah. of shit. Like, so I, we actually did a, a bot called right. MarsBot a few years ago and you can download that. And what MarsBot is, it's built on Foursquare technology and you download the app, you never open the app, you just keep it on your phone. And what it does oh, is that it, already scares the hell out yeah, of me. It, I'm it, already like quit tracking me. It, I know it what you're up you. to. It tracks you. I know you. what you're trying to do. <laughs> it tracks you, but it doesn't it all it does with that is it it, 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 it tells you habits and it makes actually, recommendations. Right. And it tells you in the app what it's learned about you and right. it texts you SMS. So you that's oh, even worse yeah and then you could write back to it and then it writes back to you and it'll i, I hate I, everything you do i just I want don't. you to know that as we continue this conversation i have no trust i yeah. i i programmed into it uh there's one module 
where if you're out late at night and you keep going to different bars, the texts get weirder and weirder. That's kind of funny. So, yeah, you try like it. Yeah, it also has this module where it like it uses different adjectives to describe the place depending on what people have said about it, what the rating is. Like if the rating's really high, it'll say this place is awesome, and if the rating is you know so so, it'll. Hey, it'll be a weird tool. I don't know if you guys ever tried this, yeah. but this would be like a weird tool for you in sales. I never use this, but they got this thing. It's called mirroring. Which is kind of like um, if you get on a call, you kind of want to mirror somebody else's energy. Yeah. That kind. Huh. So it would be interesting yeah. for you guys, from like just a purely sales perspective, is picking up on the language that people use to throw back at people. So for example, like if I talk to a company and I notice in their marketing they're using the word vibe a lot. Right. I want to throw that. Hey, I just think we vibe really well together. <laughs> no, <laughs> I do that. Good like, yeah, I want to like pick up on their words and throw it back at them. For you right. guys, if you're trying to like get people to walk into some restaurant off of past things, I would like scan every one of the reviews and be like, what kind of language they use. Right. And mine, throw their, it, mine their language. Yeah, throw it back. Like, uh, like if they're using the word decadent a lot, you right. know, then you're like, oh, they got the most decadent. That's a really way to... We've come closer to that than you might think. Yeah, I know you guys <laughs> but, are a bunch uh, of dirty bastards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a compulsive person, right. so I have no trust for like people knowing my habits and being able to market to me. That's the scariest thing in the world, yeah. but... That's, uh, well... Um, what are the other dirty tricks you guys are working up pretty here? Pretty much what we do. We learn your habits and we... Market new market items you. to you. And I'm sure we, even if you don't have Foursquare or Swarm or Marsbot, we probably still know your... Your, your digital uh, footprint. We probably still know where you're going. Our thing is like, where are you going? What stores you're going into? Do you understand how creepy that sounds to people? We just want to yeah. know where you're going. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, what are you up to? Where are you headed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, we're careful with it, but it's probably no consolation. Well, okay. Now, listen, we're getting into it early. Okay. What's the most devious thing that you can do with that information? Like, if you really know... Well, look, I mean, if... Um, not the company, but if like the wrong, if it gets into the wrong hands, you can have someone stalking someone else if it gets into the wrong hands. No, I wouldn't so say that, like... Careful about that. Like, really macro. Let's just say yeah. Foursquare... Let's just imagine for a second. Okay. Uh, who do you think is going to run against Trump in the next election? Yeah, I no idea. I, just, I, I don't know either. Uh, let's go with uh, Oprah. Oprah, fine. <laughs> Oprah is running against Trump. Okay. Let's say you're aligned. You, you guys are doing big business with China. Yeah. And not just that. You also, now let's go with this. You're importing a ton of people which with those HSN1 visas. Okay. Like they can only afford so many of you Yale graduating um, people. They need, they need some cheaper, smarter talent out of India, China, some of these super smart engineer people. And they know that Oprah is going to open up the borders for a ton of these people. And so you guys are going to make so much more money if Oprah's elected than Trump. You still with me here? So you guys have a big incentive. You guys are 100% Team Oprah and 100% anti-Trump, theoretical. Okay. Okay. Could you take all the data you have on people and go, and I don't know if you have enough data on people, but go, okay, here's the people that we think are most likely to convert from Trump to um, Oprah, and it's based off of the following habits of things that they do, and I also think that this is the information that you would have. Like, do you have like profiles of marketing to that extent that you have like a really good idea of how you could yeah. persuade people? Um, yeah, yeah, that's what this whole industry is right now. I mean, our p part of it is just figuring out where people go. There might be other things that are more. Uh, but how much can you like? I know that if you really study yeah. my my habits and hours. Yeah. 
you would know a lot about me. The biggest right. thing you would know is I don't keep normal hours. Right. You would go, oh my God, this guy's pretty compulsive. He ends yeah. up like... But that's a good feature for marketing. I'm going to write that Compulsive down. habits? Doesn't keep normal hours. We yeah, should, that's huge. I should add that as a... So we have a bunch of features. That's, the big, that's probably the biggest tell of knowing if someone's disciplined or undisciplined. Think about how many bad habits people have who are just the people who aren't going to sleep till three or four in the morning. What are the biggest like tells that you have where you're like, okay, this guy's doing X he clearly like you must have like some like personality things where you just go like oh like here's a simple one this guy goes into sports stores a lot he yeah. must be athletic like that's a pretty easy one but i'm saying yeah. like what are kind of like your list of like easy tells that then get someone like profiled in you know a specific way so for ad targeting it could be something as simple as they've gone to home depot in the last or, or a store like that in the last month, or they tend to go to coffee shops. What I'm it's learning, a very, very simple level. It's nothing like- What I'm learning about this, I gotta be a little yeah. more chaotic in what I'm doing to try and yeah. full, keep these people off my, like go to Home Depot, yeah. even though I'm not gonna build anything. Yeah. Go to yeah. go to a yoga class, you know, let them think like- Just go to yoga class and have like a quesadilla in the in the lobby and then uh, head out. But the big, the, the truth matters, I work in marketing. I don't get yeah. good enough information. But yeah. at, the biggest thing you, you honestly want to do is just be able to match people up with products that you think are a good fit for them. Right. Because that's what sponsors are willing to pay for. And you know, like it, it's, it's not always that malicious, but I do think people can do some shitty thing with big data. Oh yeah. I mean, we've talked about this, particularly with respect to Facebook, how, I mean, I went to a talk in 2014 called Data Science for Good, and I was like, what are they doing? Like, cancer research? It turned out to be a guy from the Obama campaign about how he used Facebook data to target people and, you know, get people to vote for Obama. And now... And now Trump's in so, trouble for that. Yeah. Well, that, that's the way the game is played. And they're yeah. like, oh my God, the manipulativeness of Facebook. But, Facebook, but anything, yeah. anything that you think you're doing for good is always going to be like, in that sense, is always going to be, well, particularly with politics, which is why I try to stay out of it because it's very frustrating. But whatever you do in that regard, you think you're helping one candidate, the other side's just going to come back and use it the next time around. So, I mean, it's... It, how, I mean, how could no one see that coming? But it's right. like people just ignore it. It's just it's just life. I think that, to me, the scarier thing with Facebook is that they've proven that Facebook can manipulate your mood. Like it, right. they can basically they can do a lot of things. They can give you a lot of negative information so that you, they know that you're going to end up being more depressed. Or you know what they can do? They can like hyper focus. Um, they can kind of learn the people maybe you're jealous of. I, I haven't heard that they do this, but I'm just thinking theoretically, we all know that people go on Facebook and they get depressed because they pair themselves to other people. Yeah. Facebook could kind of cheat that algorithm to maybe like show you more of like an ex-girlfriend, like happy photo, even mm. if it's from two weeks ago, mm. but they could really fuck with you if they wanted to. I feel like they're doing that to me now with all yeah. of these <laughs> crazy, like now maybe Twitter now because I'm going on and there are all these trolls. They've always been there, but for some reason they started appearing in my feed. Maybe I followed some people I shouldn't have followed but right it's like and now i'm like on twitter i'm getting upset and like i'm like why am i getting upset in the middle of the day i should be enjoying myself I'm on vacation right i i but then there are times when you go on and everything's uh everything's good so either either there are random waves of happiness and sadness cycling through the system and targeting you or who knows maybe no but there's a marketing opportunity yeah. in manipulating your mood like oh, yeah. for example if they keep telling you putting this stuff out there that they know is going to make you feel negative and then maybe they hit you with like an ad for a bar at the right time or even something worse. That, that's the scary part to me. Yeah. I'm compulsive enough. I don't need people marketing like junk food or like th th those things to me. Someone needs to make tools that help us, you know, help us have this stuff. Tar like we need to have 
ads, I guess. You know, I mean, you sell ads. We, right. We sell ads in, in the, not everything can be behind a paywall, but we need to have some kind of tool to like protect against these things affecting us negatively. Like I'm happy to pay for a product if it's going to make my life better. Right. And so I want to have ad, I, maybe there's got to be some, you know, agent between me and the ad saying, no, yeah, it's, uh, I'll allow this ad. I won't allow this ad because it's in Max's interest to see it. Even maybe he'll like it, maybe not, but it's not trying to, not trying to get him all riled up or it's not trying to get him to do something that, uh, is not in you know that that's that's not good for him like i don't need to see like you know junk food ads all day when you know i just started like today is the day i'm going to start getting healthy then that's when they barrage you with you know the doritos and the ice cream and all that it's just a all right. matter of life so aside from potentially marketing you stuff yeah. i don't know what are the other like things that they can really or like what else does big data do? I know there's tremendous value in big data. Yeah. Like people spend big money for people want big data. Oh yeah. But if I have it, like what other power does that give to me? In other words, it depends what the data set is. Right. Right. I mean like, so the reason why we were collecting all this data initially was to build the recommender system. I mean, our vision was like, Hey, I'm walking around in New York City. They always I sound so innocent, right? I'm just trying to make some recommendations <laughs> for you. <laughs> I'm trying to get at what he's really doing here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, and, and you can, I mean, that was the idea behind MarsBot, right? MarsBot right. is is like that all the way because MarsBot is a small experimental app. Basically, if I want to make a change to it, I can make a change to it. We don't need to make a profit off it. So when I'm building MarsBot, I want to look out for the interest of my users. And so, you know, it, it can help us make decisions in our day-to-day -day life, whether it's, you know, in this case, what restaurant to go to or what to order. And one of the really cool things about MarsBot is you walk into a place and then like 30 seconds later, it texts you and tells you what to order. But uh, I could imagine it being something a little more, you know, I mean, they, they do this for recruiting, what jobs to take, what any kind of recommendation that you can, you can think up, like what medical um actually medical is a huge one i mean there are a lot of companies that say hey we're going to use big data to try to better diagnose disease i think i read a headline a few days ago saying and maybe i could dig out this article and find out whether it's true or not i'll put it in the show notes page if it's true and if it's not true i'll just whatever <laughs> i'll just say it's true but that these machines are better at diagnosing i think it was skin cancer better than the doctors can so um, you still want a human in the loop, but if you can gather tons and tons of examples of skin cancer and then run it through some algorithms, you can have faster detection, save lives. You know, doesn't sound bad to me. Right. Yeah. Well, in that one case with the cancer thing that he doesn't have all the details on, maybe, but let me ask you this. <laughs> now, the other thing with what you're saying is, hey, we can make these great recommendations for you. Right. We can learn your habits. You walk into a restaurant as opposed to reading through the menu because everyone hates, no one likes when they're waiting for food to look through a menu. We'll right. give you the Especially recommendation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No one has, no one's ever had fun with that ever looking at the pictures. You know, yeah. that's why they make them, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Anyways, yeah, yeah. so you get that recommendation. Hey, we know that you're a fat guy and every time you go to a restaurant you get ice cream sundaes this is their specialty ice cream sundae we recommend you just order that okay great yeah. great piece of technology that's right exactly, yeah that's exactly what we built right now i've seen i've noticed with the internet like um google amazon um places like home advisor which is um basically they've priced out 
industries and that they own the first page of Google. So really, like, there's no real opportunity for finding, like, third-party things unless they're kind of paying one of these bigger sites to then kind of promote their content. Well, you know what? I took this thing all chaotically. You got a sheet of notes here? Let's get into it. Okay, sure. Why not? After 40 minutes of my ramble. <laughs> no, that was that. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy 40 minutes of your ramble. We could do more of that. Um, well, let's start with an introduction. We've been talking for 20 minutes. <laughs> Tell me about yourself. How did you get into podcasting and comedy? In what order? Okay, yeah, I got into uh, comedy first, um, and I did that because uh, growing up, I, I loved funny movies, I loved radio, I didn't really know how to get started on those things, um, but stand-up comedy, you could just kind of show up and do it, and yeah. so I just started doing it, and loved it, and been doing it ever since, and, uh, you know, just been failing every night, but I'm just still doing it, just getting up and failing. Where do you tend to go? Yes, I was a regular at LOL for a real long time. Not really uh, going there anymore. Um, So, you know, I'm finding a new home. If you're out there listening, you got a place for me to perform, I'm available. And I'm still failing at it. So, you know, that's marketable. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question. I was at, I I go to comedy clubs every once in a while. Yeah, what spots do you like? What's that? What spots do you like? Oh, no, just very infrequently, like maybe once or twice a year. But I was at one uh, a year ago and I don't remember where it was, somewhere in the Upper East Side. Um, and it was like a Monday night, and there were like eight people in the audience, and nobody was getting a big reaction. And right. They're getting it, frustrated. They were all getting frustrated and mad. And I'm like, look, there are eight people here. Like, why, why, like, just use it to, I don't know, what was going on there? Why can't they just use it to practice and be not be upset that the eight people are, you know, maybe laughing a little bit, but not, you know, because they're not feeding off each other. It's not working. But everybody up there just get just kept getting mad. And it was like, this is not, uh, the show is, uh, this energy is getting worse and worse in the room overnight. And then right. after three hours, I left. And then the guy who was coming up um, Do you remember, was, like, was this at an actual club or yeah, just yeah. like a random bar show? Um, it was an actual club because I remember they gave me free tickets to come back. And I oh, happened. really? Do you yeah. remember what club? Uh no. One no. of the funniest things no. I ever saw was yeah. at um at LOL, this is years ago, it was a sold, sold out room yeah. and it was just the worst show you've ever seen. Even in a sold out room. Sold out room, just nobody's stuff was going over well. Hmm. Now, most comics don't watch the other comics. They, they just don't. You're hanging yeah. out, you've, you've watched enough comedy, you don't give a shit. Right. You hang out in the green room, you go up, you do your spot, you have a beer, you leave. Yeah. For the most part. Gotcha. Every once in a while, someone shows up and you're like, oh man, I really want to watch this guy. But th- th- that's rare. Okay. I was newer in comedy, so I used to, I don't really, I'm not great at like sitting down and stuff, but I used to drift through the room to kind of get a sense of what everyone was doing. I'd watch for a couple of minutes, walk out, walk in, walk out. That sounds like a smart thing to do. I'd watch a little bit of everybody's set. You stake out the audience. A little you bit. see what they're up to. Yeah, like. just see what's yeah. going on in the room. On this particular night, not every comic handles a bad crowd this way, but in this particular case... Every single comic was playing the card of, like, basically, yeah, you fucking audience, you stink. Just berating the audience for stinking. Now, I have to tell you, sometimes that works. That's a card. If if you have a crappy crowd in front of you, that is a card that you can play that sometimes you can call them out and win them over. But in in my case, there were eight people, and they would, like, target us one by one. It was like, and I'm just sitting there. (laughs) So here it was funny. I know that every comic did that. 
Right. None of the you other ones. research. No, none of the other ones yeah. knew that. So it was basically a show of people that spent money to get berated for an hour and a half and not laughing at something, which is just ridiculous and stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is, by the way, we were talking about Lewis. Yeah. That guy's best talent as a comic. For, he's funny as fuck. He's a really funny guy. But he, what my favorite thing about him is when you have a bad crowd, no one is better at telling an audience like that you know to go to hell and being funny with it that that's yeah. that guy's special skill but anyways back yeah. to your show yeah. with the eight people yeah sometimes eight people can be a ton of fun right right but sometimes you have to like change your beat and just kind of talk to them right i wasn't there to like f- feel the vibe but right. sometimes like when it's eight people they're just not that into laughing like yeah. they're not not having fun i was tired it's a monday night just like i am today it's like i worked all day well right. i'm not gonna like fall over and I mean, maybe I could. Maybe somebody could have gotten right. into it. Right. Yeah, so sometimes, like, you're better off just kind of hanging out with the crowd at that point. Yeah. But I wasn't there. Maybe you guys were terrible. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Very possible. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know when I walk into a show that I'm on the hook to perform as an audience member. It's like, that's like too much. Well, pressure. that's the other thing when you're, when there's a bigger crowd, you can kind of get lost in the crowd. Yeah. And people ease up and, like, there's a better energy to it. Yeah. Small shows, I, I've done a ton of, like, eight-person shows that are a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that when there's a bigger crowd, you can kind of relax. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never, I've gone up in front of a lot of audiences, but I've never done stand up comedy. It sounds pretty nerve wracking. I did, when I was in college, I did sketch comedy, which is a lot of fun, but I don't think stand up oof, sounds really hard to me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I can get, a, I'm very happy if I'm giving like a one hour talk, if it's a technical talk or something like that, if I can get like one laugh, I'm pretty happy. That's not being a comedian. That's just being a decent speaker. If I could do that, I'm happy with myself. Um, so yeah, so podcasting too. Your podcast is very funny. And I have to say, I found Run Your Mouth maybe a couple months ago. I started listening to it as I walked down. I'm walking down the street. I'm walking down Canal Street one day. I'm listening to a part of it. I'm just laughing my ass off. People Thanks, think buddy. I'm a crazy person <laughs> on the street. Um, I don't remember which one that was. I actually think that was the one where you're talking about the sex doll company or whatever and, and what it was. Oh, be like right. And being the, the test marketer and, guy. And you know, <laughs> what was funny about that is like if somebody, if you had titled yeah. it today, we're going to talk about the sex doll uh, company and make jokes about it. I would have been like, ah, eh, this isn't for me. But right. it's just the, the way that you presented it was just, I don't know. It just, I feel like you could take a lot of topics that. I wouldn't laugh at normally and just uh, just make it funny. Well, thanks, so, buddy. I like a compliment, so yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I, uh, so parts of the show that I liked were also like, there was one show where your microphone kept cutting out and the way you reacted to it, or maybe it was your co-host. Okay, I just was I getting was really pissed? Yeah. yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Um, yeah, so tell me how you got into the podcast. I guess you, were you working at Gas Digital first or in podcasting first and then decided to start one? Or no, so um, basically what was going on, I, I like to work. My my goal in life is just to really work hard at comedy and get as funny as possible. I know like other people like working hard at their jobs or whatever your goal is in life, whatever whatever religion you have. I don't know. I'm just on this quest to try and improve my comedy skill set as much as possible. And um, for a while, I was putting out a web series. You guys can check it out. There's a lot of good content out there. It's called Rob's Newsroom. And I wasn't doing I wasn't getting as much time on stage as I'd like. Stand-up comedy is the funnest thing in the world. And that's also what I most want to do. But 
the problem is you don't really get to dictate how much work you, you can do because at the end of the day, someone has to say, hey, you can get on my stage and perform. And so I was looking for other ways to kind of work hard at comedy because it just, it wasn't enough. I wanted to do more work than what the clubs were giving me. So I started doing this web series. The problem with the web series was it was, it wasn't weekly because it would take me a full edit week to edit once I put one out. And so there was like a gap of like kind of having a week off from creating content because it was was full writing it was full no because basically yeah it it took a week to write an episode it took a weekend to film it and then about a week to edit filming it yeah yeah (laughs) and i was doing that on top of a full-time job and doing the occasional stand-up which was not really much of a i mean whatever it it was what you know my choice was um this getting a little inside the actor's studio uh but anyways I had like a week off, so I wanted to start filling that time with something, and it's we started doing the podcast, which became weekly. Kind of killed the web series, um, but that, that 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 was the origin of it. I just wanted to do more work. Right. And um, what's nice about the podcast, as opposed to the web series, is zero production. You don't have to film. You don't have to edit. You know, you can just. Um, yeah. Which allows more time for reading, writing, and thinking. Do you not edit your podcast? I do edit my podcast. Um, it, it's kind of the more editing I. If I don't do enough prep, then we have to edit more, and then I'm not happy with doing the podcast, so I try and structure it as much as possible so that it needs zero editing. I've tried to get to a point where, at the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to do any editing, but then, of course, I did my first podcast episode, and I was like, nah, i got to make it perfect. It's got to keep going yeah. in there. And now I have I that of, thing, too, and it's miserable. Yeah, I've kind of just resigned to just saying, okay, I'm going to go through it once, twice maximum, right, and then move things around. Maybe there are a few things that got off topic um, and, you know, remove things that need to be removed. I'll tell you, this is the extent in which I edit is yeah. that um, for the most part, I'm running jokes that I wrote and then we kind of go off the, the walls with conversation. Yeah. But if I do a joke and it bombs, I just cut out that entire segment. How do you know it's bombing if there's no one around? Well, I, I, when Yosef's there, if it doesn't get a laugh with Yosef, it just gets cut. So you have a, co- a co-host that is kind of like a stand-in for the audience. In my head, if it didn't get a laugh with him, the joke is bad, and so gotcha. I just cut it. No, it's not like if I throw out a joke in conversation of bombs, that stays. It's more like if I came in, um, uh, the whales in North Korea were blowing this, like a Jay Leno-style joke where I introduce yeah. a topic, and then we were going to get into something. I'll cut entire topics because the, the angle that I thought was funny just wasn't. Sometimes I put the bloopers at the end if people are willing to listen to the whole outro. Okay. Uh, it's It's very rare, but it's kind of exciting when... When I do, was your cover art made in MS Paint? Yes, I need to. <laughs> I absolutely need to learn um, better. Uh, the pro, I, I, I bet you're pretty good at like sitting down and self teaching yourself stuff. No, no, I just no? paid someone to do it. You paid someone? I, yeah. yeah. Well. No, I mean, I, I think it's funny. I think it's, um, I think it's cool actually. Like, I don't know. It, it's, I don't think it's stopping people from listening to it. I think it's actually makes it stand out because it's the only one in MS Paint and then everybody looks at it and is like, oh, I remember MS Paint. I'm going to click on that. So maybe think, it works. I don't think anyone goes, I remember MS Paint. <laughs> and then oh, that that's the draw. No, I, I think it's a problem that there's no visibility. From a marketing standpoint, there's no visibility or linking the podcast to me. Um, and I don't think it's a, like a great logo. Um, but I also just try and do the work and hope you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I need a better logo. I really need to learn Photoshop. I just haven't Photoshop. done it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to stay away from this. I feel like my logo is, a, is it's okay. It's working for me now. We'll see what happens in, in, in a few months. I already, have, I already have some uh, mugs with it on it, so I can't 
can't change now. I think you got to specialize in life. Yeah, so if you can right. pay someone to make a logo for you, it's a better way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. But I did give them some notes and go back because it was like $10 for someone in some very small country out right. in Eastern Europe. And, uh, can you pull you up know, your logo? I, I don't remember it. Right here. Oh, yeah. okay. It looks professional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think people listen to podcasts because of the logo. I agree with I you on that. Well, you know, I think people hear about it. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to get people to listen to podcasts, but I think it's almost always word of mouth. People hear it on another podcast. People hear it mentioned. Maybe sometimes people click on the logo, but I don't know. There are, the only thing is like so many logos are so similar to each other. It's hard to stand out. Do people not use MS Paint anymore? I use it all the time. I mean, it's... I. Apparently, people do. Okay. You've. Uh, but I feel like you were almost you were almost offended by it. You're like, oh my god, MS Paint. No, I'm not offended by <laughs> it. I'm just like it reminds me of my childhood. Oh, okay. You know, because I used to. What have people make... moved on from? You know, to from MS Paint, uh, Adobe, for, for Photoshop. Me, yeah. I moved on to nothing. I used to use MS Paint, and then I switched over to a Mac in 2011, and then I stopped doing that kind of stuff. I get it. I, I so, sense the I, uh, <laughs> the Windows hatred. No, I no, I don't need Windows. I just stopped. I, I just, w when I switched over and it was for work, it was just like, I just, I didn't, there was no paint program that so filled that drawing, gap. You you see? Yeah, I gave up on my, gave up on my dreams, I can <laughs> say, uh, <laughs> to be a MS Paint Olympian. Um, <laughs> there could be a market out there for it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. The MS Paints Olymp Olympics. Yeah. All right. So we both covered the, and I didn't realize we already talked about Facebook, but we both covered the Mark Zuckerberg hearings. And for me, I was trying to see if my theory on how Facebook thinks, uh, which I had already said in like the previous episode, matched up with his statements. But um, what Can you give me the brief? What do you, th how do you think Facebook right, I just, thinks? I, I feel like their, uh, their thesis is. And this is regard to like hate speech and trolling and all that was like the way we solve it is we need to build a machine learning algorithm, which is what I do because I know right. I, 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 you know, that all we need to do is have a bunch of our people go in and label a bunch of these, uh, these examples of bad behavior. Right. And then we feed it through a machine and we make the algorithm really good. And then after five years of research, this problem will be over. And I just think that's the that's just a really terrible approach. I yeah. think it's going to be biased based on what their people are putting in. Right. And I think whatever, even if they have a good solution for the bad behavior in 2018, uh, in five years, people are going to come up with other bad behavior. And it's it's a arms race. Sometimes you can win an arms race, but I think this is the type of arms race that they're not going to be able to win. So in your opinion, the machine learning is not good enough for eradicating... What like um yeah it's good enough for, on Facebook right well, it's good thing? enough for eradicating spam it's, it's right. good enough for eradicating certain type of bullying like if I could say hey here is an example of bullying like that that I want to get rid of I'm trying to think of a specific example if you could think of like a specific type you could filter those out totally right. I'm I'm very uh, I'd be very optimistic but I think they feel like but they're coming up to a general solution which doesn't right. exist because people are coming up with all of these innovative ways i hate to call it innovative but it's innovative ways of uh destroying people's lives online okay so i to me just two things on that i remember and this is like a, a loose memory but i remember one point within that supposed algorithm that they had 
for, I guess, filtering, let's say, um, negative content is the wrong word, but bullying content, what's the term right. that you were using? I mean, there's, there's bullying, there's, there's, there's like, hate speech, there's fake fine. news. Let's go, let's go with hate speech, fake news, whatever. Russians. So I remember you know. that in conjunction with that algorithm, they realized the algorithm wasn't good enough. And so they actually assigned some people without like they were trying, they were making a public claim of like, Hey, this is just all computer based. And then the reality was they had like a manual team that the manual team was supposed to go in and take off the stuff that like the computer was missing. But then they discovered that the manual team and please fact me, fact check me on this. I do read the, the newspaper, but I'm frequently just wrong. But I seem to remember that the manual team was actually slanting everything were liberal and they were actually just taking like down kind of conservative content. I mean, that's possible. You know, it's that's the political leaning of most people in the tech industry. Right. Um, but now and- to just to go back, in my opinion, though, well, I guess, you know, Facebook's a business. And so they must think that getting rid of like overtly negative content is just in the best interest for their business and keeping sure. people on there. So like whatever the fuck they want to do, it doesn't but A lot of these places me. are also like, yeah, uh, but a, a lot of these places are, they're in a situation where they don't know. There's no, there's nothing telling them this is going to help the business. This is going to hurt the business. They just kind of have to follow their nose, I but guess. That's where, no, so okay. So here, here's yeah. to me where, in my opinion, like you're, you're just be kind of being a bunch of fucks, which is they don't stand for anything. They're just kind of being reactive to, oh, is the market tomorrow going to be offended about, um, you, you know what I mean? It's like have an opinion, yeah. have a like have some sort of a view of what, you, what your company is supposed to be, what you want to stand for. To me, that's better marketing. That's what I relate to is people that actually have and want to fight for their point of view. Right. They never, there is no, I mean, maybe Twitter is a better example of this, but Facebook, there is no like, I wish Twitter would come out with like a uh, maybe this is this this could actually be a bad idea because I you know when you're coming up with an idea and you're about to say it and you're like this could be a bad idea but anyway I'm just gonna say it anyway they come out with like a list of here are like the ten rules for you know what Twitter stands for in terms of the conversation like here is here's an example of I want to say I. I, it's just going to become like a do not do list, but maybe that's what they need a do not do list. Right. You know, um, and hey, these are kind of general principles so that we don't look hypocritical when we um, when we remove one person and don't remove an, um, another person. No, these are the general principles that are going to get you removed, and um, you know we'll apply these more equally. But I don't see these general principles. I just see it more like. It's just at their whim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think, well, here, here's to me is the real uh, Facebook. Their big claim is, hey, we're all about connectivity. Yeah. We, we want everyone to be able to come here and connect with one another. I, what I think they're doing, it, it, it's two things. One is they want as many people on their platform as possible. And there's probably two things that they get from that. One is they're in the big data game. And the more that they can understand people, I don't even know if they're, I don't even quite understand the full potential of what they can do with having profiles on a massive amount of the world population. I don't know what the next generation of AI is. I don't know what the power game is, but I do know that like if I was uh, like, uh, let's just say Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, a whole bunch of like these billionaires are sitting around in the room and they're like, how can I remain in power? What are the investments I got to make? One of the big ones is going to be big data. How do I have profiles on all of these people? I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I know that that's an asset. So they want as many people on their platform. So for one, 
they have access to all that data. The next thing in terms of having everyone on the platform is that they're also able to market to all these people. It's all it's like the same as almost just getting television ratings. Hey, I'm a television program. I have high ratings. Everyone's here. I can market to them. Then there's everything that within the platform, like I heard now they almost do what Craigslist did, that you can do like postings for shit. So let's be honest. What they're looking to do is have as many people on the platform as possible so that they can sell stuff to them, collect their data, and I don't know. That's that's basically it. That's what they're looking to do. Of course. So they overstepped on in terms of like how much they were – they got a reaction from the marketplace, and that's why they're running their things like, we want to be the place where you can be in love with your family members. They yeah. showed their corporate side too much of like, hey, this is what we're actually looking to do. This yeah. free thing isn't free. And people went, hey, like what's going on here? Now, here was my take on what happened with the government there. Right. To me, it's like when you read stories out of China of corruption, that the government went after someone for being corrupt. I think we all understand, okay, they're not really trying to get rid of corruption. Just in some way, this guy's not on the winning team anymore. He's on the outs from whoever you got to be in with decided you're no longer going to, you no longer get a piece of this cake. We're giving it to someone else. Would you agree with me on that? Right. So if that happened in, and you could pick any country. Any country. Venezuela, you know, whatever, Cuba. When when you hear someone goes to jail for corruption, they're not trying, like the government can go on and on. Hey, we're out here and we're getting rid of corruption. That's not what's going on. They're exerting their power and they're keeping things within their control. Right. I think when I hear the government's doing these grand good things, most of the time that's more of what they're doing. And so I think that this was a power play by the government that they want to bring Facebook more within their control. So a big part of what you're seeing is that media companies have lost a lot of their ability in terms of really deciding what information they can present to us, what we kind of absorb as news, what's considered real news, what's considered fake news. That's why part of what they were what what the battle with Facebook is they're trying to say you have responsibility that you have to edit the content. They almost want to turn like Facebook was saying, "Hey, we're an open platform. People post whatever they want." And they came in and said, "No, we can't just have an open marketplace for news and ideas." Which by the way, it seems to me like Wikipedia is fucking crushing it. Having an open platform where people get to like it seems to me like that kind of works in terms of finding truthful information. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, there are some articles in Wikipedia where it's like, no, there's a small group of people that find it really, really important to mess with this page. Right. And- I think I saw a headline, maybe this isn't true, that the, 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 like in the macro, Wikipedia is, was discovered to be just as accurate as Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's been true for a while, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. So there's something, uh, to me, you work in a uh, the fucking hive mind, the things that yeah. you can learn when everyone's collectively doing stuff. I think it, I yeah. think it replaced the encyclopedias early on. Like I, I feel like maybe in 2005, 2006, it was better. But now we've kind of reached a plateau where maybe it hasn't improved in recent years and people are understanding where it doesn't really work. And so we're kind of in a situation where people are like, huh, you know, what's the next? How can we improve on this? We've solved some problems. We've created new problems. What's next? So here, here's my tin hat theory of what was really going on with Facebook. Okay, yeah. I don't think Facebook spends as much money on lobbying as Google and some of the other companies. I also don't think Facebook on the back end probably doesn't share as much of its data as some of these other companies. A lot of these companies are literally in cahoots with the government in terms of the amount of mass surveillance that they do and then handing over or selling that information to the U.S. government. So I think basically Zuckerberg was brought in and while you had the charade of, hey, we're the government and we're trying to look out for all our constituents and make sure that you're a fair and equal platform and that you're not helping the blah, blah, blah. What they were really saying is, hey, listen, if you don't start playing ball with us, 
us and you don't get into this, we're going to shut you down and we're going to make you look bad. Just did make their lives miserable. Do you, have you seen the recent Facebook um, commercial? Because it's really creepy. Well, that's the one with, um, hey, we're here for connectivity, right? Yeah, and me, with the family stuff. I can play it. I can play it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Crazy. Play it for the fans. Which, by the way, you know what I thought was creepy as hell was when they had that the drone one yeah. where they were showing you, hey, we're getting free internet for everyone in India. Right. And it's like, no, you're trying to get all of their data. Like, yeah. let's be honest about what you guys do. We came here for the friends. We got to know the friends of our friends. And then our old friends from middle school, our mom, our ex, and our boss joined forces to wish us happy birthday. Then we discovered our uncle used to play in a band and realized he was young once too. And we found others just like us. And just like that, we felt a little less alone. But then something happened. We had to deal with spam, clickbait, fake news, and data misuse. That's going to change. From now on, Facebook will do more to keep you safe and protect your privacy so we can all get back to what made Facebook good in the first place. We also see everyone's That's, private moments in the background of their commercial. Right. Oh, that's so funny. Can you yeah. pause that for a second? Everything yeah. that you're just, that you, like, that they just played, yeah. if I have to see at home, I'm annoyed. Like, I don't want, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I if, if you're not friend, like, if you're not friends enough with me that for some reason I'm in front of you and you're sharing a photo of some incident in your life, I have oh, no yeah. interest in casually seeing it on Facebook. Right. Unless it's like a, a close family member, you don't need to see like, oh, it's my birthday, it's my engagement, and I'm so happy, and it's someone who like I friended once in college. I find, firstly, I if it wasn't for doing comedy and trying to promote my own content, I would not have Facebook on my phone. Yeah. I sadly needed it because too many comics don't have my number, and like I get booked on gigs through Messenger and, and stuff like that. So it's become like a tool that I need. Other than that, Facebook, to me, the most annoying part about it is that it makes me available to people like casual relationships that I never liked, don't have any interest in engaging with. And like, it's too easy that they can message me. And now it pops up on my phone the same as a text message. They get a little okay. check mark whether or not I read it. So now I have to feel rude about the fact that I'm not responding. It's like, I shouldn't even be available to this person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you like, please. sorry if that's too much no. anger for the people out there. <laughs> no, no, no. I, that's not that angry. Um, I've listened to a few episodes of part of the problem. I've heard, I've heard angry. Oh, you've heard <laughs> us get at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Dave's got more passion than I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, right. Um, yeah, no, I, I just found that whole thing like a little creepy as if a, they like just noticed that like it, it's, right. it, it's not like this wasn't true, you know, 10 years ago or even I was on Facebook in 2004 when it was first opened. People were making fake accounts and right. trolling people like that was even happening back then almost as soon as the probably there when there were two users on Facebook, probably the second user was bothering the first user, probably almost immediately. Um, That's funny. This is what's going on. Branches of government are trying to figure out how did an outsider get elected and they're trying to bring all of those things under its control. And Facebook is one of those outside things that it, it, it's new. And they're like, this isn't under our control. How do we change this so that we're not getting boxed out again? That's it's amazing it. to me, though, if you look at like the history of these companies, you know, they assume that, oh, Facebook is going to come into our, you know, if, um, let me put it a different way. They think if only 
you know, I can control Facebook, I can control the world, or I heard in the hearings, you know, Facebook is a monopoly. But in 10 years, you know, there are going to be other companies on the scene. Also, there are going to be other Facebook, companies. Here's the ridiculous. And it's Facebook, not a monopoly at all. Well, yeah. Anyway, Facebook's a monopoly of what? Like, if you're upset about monopolies, fine. I understand, firstly, it's not true. But let's, let's say someone had a monopoly over water. Yeah. Fine. I get why maybe you would say, I need government to come in and help me because these people are charging me too much money for my water. I can't afford water. Right. What is Facebook a monopoly of? What, you can't have a relationship with your mother without Facebook in there? Like, what exactly is it that you think government needs to come in and regulate because if they didn't, you won't have proper access to? What is it a monopoly of? Nothing. The, the people on it. <laughs> but and you can't interact with them. The people that you're yeah. interacting with on there, like you can't interact with your own mother outside of Facebook. Who can't you interact with if Facebook disappeared tomorrow? They're not a telephone cut. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's a monopoly of what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say their primary, if their primary business is ads, they're certainly not a monopoly in ads. So, right. Um, but, you know, some of the things they do are very... Their monopoly of trying to find bikini photos of the women that won't sleep with you. That's it. I don't think there's any ad dollars in that. I don't think that made a big benefit to society. I don't think government needs to regulate it. Yeah. Don't uh, edit that. It's the first funny thing I've said. Okay, great. Um, I think it's about time to wrap up. Let's see. What, what else? What can we promote here? What, what, what can we promote? We got a whole second sheet of topics. You're cutting yeah. us off. No, I'm kidding. We, we, I, think we got, I think we did it, dude. Yeah. If someone wants to hear more from Rob Bernstein, where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for giving me the opportunity uh, to promote myself. Run Your Mouth Podcast, we used to put it out every week. Now we're putting it out when I get around to it. So, you know, just stay in tune. They're special when they come out. Um, check out Rob's Newsroom. The last one we did was all about the Federal Reserve. If you want to know why all of your money is going to, you know, lose its wealth in the near future. You can go watch that. Get yourself an education. Um, other than that, you know, I'm out and about doing comedy. You can always email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. As uh, Mr. Max will tell you, I respond to emails. And then I show up at your office and I podcast. So get in touch. He does. He does. I can I, I can testify to that. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. I appreciate having you on today. Thanks, buddy. All right. That was a lot of fun. Uh, the comedy club that I couldn't think of was actually Comic Strip Live on the Upper East Side. I'm sure it's usually really good. Actually, I just remembered I have free tickets now, so hopefully they're still good. Ah, the benefits of podcasting. Also, next week, I hope to be speaking to Esther Crawford from Molly.com. Esther has done a lot of work uh, with bots, particularly personal bots that, you know, uh, you can hire to answer questions from other people. Um, and Molly is this new service or app where you can have a page that answers questions people ask of you. These are not questions where people just want an answer like a Google search. They are questions that they want to know from you specifically. So people ask a lot of personal questions and I'm answering them now in the beta. So localmaxradio at gmail.com if you have questions for Esther. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you want to keep up, remember to follow The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at MaxClock. Have a great week. Feel the power. You're gonna see me shine someday Amazing Dream of Savannah Dream of Savannah A million trillion wishes
Like if I was editing right now, I would edit what I just said for being boring. <laughs> mm, mm. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and I would edit that up. I would get right to whatever the next question was. Except now I have to keep it in because we spoke about it. <laughs> um, or maybe I'll put it at the end. 